The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and yes, the rumors of my early demise were greatly exaggerated. I'm back and I'm thrilled to be here and thank you all for all of your well wishes and really want to thank Nancy Allspot Jackson for just doing an amazing job and teaching me about how it gets done. Uh, we're here with you live. This is a wonderful Wednesday morning and my goodness, the show that we have for you today and the show that we have for you tomorrow. Uh, you're going to want me to be away uh, more often because the fact that we have what we have for you the next two days is just frankly amazing. Um, so welcome, welcome here. We want you to participate with us. In fact, I want Kelby to show you all the different ways that you can participate with us. Uh, while I remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com, when you go there, there are so many things to do, but definitely check out the live show and the live feature, which is just to the side of where the show plays. There's a series of boxes there. If you put your cursor in the one that says your question, you can start typing right inside that box, hit enter, and it shows up here on my screen, and that way you and I can have a conversation, and so much more important than that, you can have a conversation with the wonderful guests and experts that we feature here on the show. At the start of the show, I want to I want to start by just giving a wonderful shout out to a program that we have been made aware of this week called This Week in Neurodiversity. What a wonderful program. Uh, we want to encourage everybody to definitely check that out and we want to thank them for giving us a shout out as well. There's a lot of mutual love going back and forth. So This Week in Neurodiversity, uh, it's on my playlist now, something that I'm going to be watching every week. Uh, also, want to tell you a little bit about what's happening here today because in just a few minutes, we're going to have Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampichet is here. She's going to answer your questions live. It's such a treat to have her here. Then in our second hour today, Nancy Allspot Jackson joins me for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, our two very special guest today. Dee Bradley is going to be with us today. I know you know who she is. She was the mom in E.T. A uh, wonderful actress. That's not the only credit to her name. She's uh, been a, a force in, uh, in the acting world, but she's also been an acting teacher and uh, a, a life coach and someone who helps people with self-esteem. And she has a new product, these amazing bears that make positive self-statements. We're always wanting to work on self-esteem with kids. This is a really unique and wonderful way to do that. So she's going to be here with her bears, and we're going to be talking with her and seeing some of the wonderful phrases that these bears say. And then also during that hour, as if that's not enough, we have John Asher, who is going to be with us. He is also 
also an actor and a filmmaker, a director. He's got a new film out called Poe. I was able to screen it last night, and oh my goodness, I have goosebumps. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to him about this film. It is, in a lot of ways, a love letter to his son, his son who you probably are aware of. His son is Evan. He is the dad of Jenny McCarthy's son. And um, this film, uh, it's a really important film. We're going to be talking with him about what inspired him to make this film and the amazing group of people that got together and lent their talents, including Burt Bacharach, who gave his music to the film because he cared so deeply uh, about it. And John's going to tell us why. So all of that and ever so much more. And I mentioned that tomorrow we have an incredible show. Christina Adams is going to be with us, taking us on a tour around the world, talking about autism around the world. And we have a fabulous interview tomorrow with Temple Grandin about her new book. So you're not going to want to miss any of that amazing, amazing show. But as I mentioned, we're starting out with the best of the best, Dr. Doreen Grandpache. It's time for Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grandpache is the Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grandpache. Dr. Grandpache. Dr. Doreen Grandpache. Dr. Doreen Grandpache is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen. We welcome Dr. Doreen Grampiche. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you so much. I, I had the opportunity to watch the last two shows when mm -hmm. Nancy was here hosting, and I, I'm always amazed by you, but the, I thank watched so and much. I was like, this is great. This oh, is fascinating. So nice. I was so excited. Well, she uh, like pushed me hard. <laughs> it was lovely to do the show with Nancy. I love her so much. But Nancy's a taskmaster. She was like, we have 12. We're getting 12 done. We have 20. We're getting 20. She's, she's like, she's yeah. She's teaching me how to do it. We missed you. It's wonderful to have you back. I'm thrilled to be back. I missed I missed you, and I missed everybody, and I'm, I'm thrilled. And I think well, I, I kind of, not to give you any guilt yes. right now, but I when you were out sick, I, I remember like a sh like few, several weeks earlier sitting here with you and saying, if you don't take care of this, it will yes. become bronchitis and then pneumonia and then even more dangerous, yes. right? So I'm not going to let you do that again. No, and, and you know, they say, Nancy and I were talking about this last night about first you get the grain of sand and then you get the pebble and the rock and the boulder. And, um, and I had a boulder sitting on my chest and... Yeah. Um, it, it really, I, I keep saying that, you know, I got a wake-up call, but this was, really I, was. I, I really don't need to do that again. Yeah. And um, we, we have a little diffuser going on here in the studio with us, and I'm taking it much more seriously and prioritizing Good. things in a different way Good. about getting rest. And, um, you know, this, this is a challenging month, as you know, because there's... Oh, my there's, gosh, what a time to come back and right? try to get rest. And, it's April, yeah. And there are so many places that I want to be and people that I want to be with. And That's right. And we've had to edit and say, you know, this is what we can do. And uh, I'm, I'm excited that this Saturday, for instance, uh, Kelby and I are going to be at the Walk Now for Autism in Los Angeles. And we're looking forward to meeting people and, and being there. But I'm going to be saving a little bit of voice. That's right. um, it's this Saturday. I should have, I should have uh, mentioned this on my CEO call this morning, but it is this Saturday is Autism Awareness Day. There's really something, multiple somethings happening every weekend day this month. And we're going to get to as many of them as we can, but we know that everybody understands that we, you know, I'm going to be pacing myself. Yes, please pace as, yourself. Because I want to still be here in May. That's right. Nothing will happen if you miss something here and there, you know? Just yes. take it easy. Yeah. 
But, you know, it's one of those things where you just want to go to everything. Absolutely, and it's exciting. Like, I want to go this weekend. I mean, I have other things that I have to do, but I really want to go because that's quite an event. It is quite an event. But you're going to be joining us on the 30th when we Mm -hmm. do the Act Today for Military Family Fun Absolutely, yes. So um, that'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but we're, like, uh, approaching 15,000 raised by the liaisons at CARD. That's amazing. I know. I love the And my son hasn't even started fundraising yet because he'll, He'll run, um, which is a very exciting thing. He loves that fun run. We're going to be talking more about that. But thrilled that you're here because you're going to answer questions. And we do like to remind everybody at the start of the show that Dr. Graham Pache, you know, honestly, you are the preeminent expert in this field, in our time. Thank you so much. And you are a visionary. You are absolutely brilliant. You're the person that any of us should be lucky enough to ask a question of. However, in this format, there is no expert who can give individual specific advice. It would be a disservice to any individual on the spectrum to think that you could just, in this format, get enough information to do that. But having said that, we encourage all of you to write in with your questions for Dr. Grampiche. We get to take a tour of her beautiful mind and, and you know, talk to you about the things that you know. And I, I know from the things that you guys write in how helpful that is to you. So you. we're going to dive right in. Uh, my son is five years, four months. He is in a special ed uh, classroom for speech and language disorder. He recently was diagnosed with autistic disorder level one, Mm -hmm. mild intellectual disability, and ADD inattentive presentation. Mm -hmm. We are in the process of getting ABA through your Arcadia Center. My question is, would he ever be able to catch up? Also, I want him to attend mainstream classroom. I spoke with the director of the public charter school, but she said that he won't be able to succeed due to his profound delay in speech. Please help with three exclamation points. Right, so there's some very good things going on here. One is that he's level one. Level one means, of course, people always diagnose incorrectly these days. There should actually be level one. There's two different segments that have to have a level associated with them, so it's not enough to say level one. We're supposed to say level one in social and level whatever and the second area which is repetitive behaviors. Okay. But regardless, level one means he's very mild. That's the that's the one that requires the least support. Uh, now, I don't know who diagnosed him, but sometimes when the person diagnosing is also part of the funding agency, they tend to diagnose mild support or minimal support because they don't want to fund it. There's definitely that that conflict arises there. But let's assume he really is level one, that's very good, that means he's very mild. Um, Mild intellectual disability, again, is another sign that's good. It indicates that he doesn't have severe or profound mental retardation, which makes things much easier and therefore he can learn. And thirdly, ADD inattentive type is basically very common with our kids, so they have difficulties with inattention. So all of this is great news. It's not bad news. It's great news. He's five and a half. I I would have liked him to be a couple of years younger, but five and a half is good. I have had children start at five and a half and be actually recovered, completely recovered. So there's no question in my mind that the possibility exists for some children. Um, the other really good thing is that you're, you're approaching our Arcadia Center, and our Arcadia Clinic is one of those clinics that has their act together. They're a fabulous group of people. I absolutely love them to death. 
I highly recommend that center. I'm very happy that you're there. And I really want to urge you, if there's one thing you want to do right now is finish your paperwork, do your skills intake, do everything to get in mm -hmm. as fast as possible. We are on a big, big, big push at all of our offices not to make anyone wait. In fact, we've, had, we've done 80 intakes per month the last two months, which is pretty crazy. Um, and we're hiring rapidly, training rapidly. So this is a fabulous thing, and I really recommend that you push forward to get in. And all the only thing that I ask you to do to ensure the strong, the highest possible uh, positive outcome is to have a lot of hours. So I what I mean by that is that whatever whoever the supervisor is, they make a recommendation based on seeing your child, and they'll recommend I don't know 25, 35 hours a week, and hopefully your insurance will fund that. Make sure to make yourself extremely available, make your child extremely available so that we can fulfill those hours. Uh, if someone is, if a child is to receive 40 hours, like it would help us if you make yourself available more like 50, 60 hours because it's hard for us to fit into your child's schedule. And keep in mind, your child's probably in school, so we're limited to just afternoons, which makes it very hard. Now, one way that it'll make things easier is if you do all center-based. That means you'll take your child in right after school every day, and that way your child will not miss any sessions. There will never be cancellations, and you'll get therapy every minute of the time that he or she is there, he is there. Um, also on weekends, of course, we are open and we try to serve our kids. So. Your focus right now should be trying to get in and do center-based. Center-based is most effective. It's 80% more effective, or we teach our kids 80% faster when they're at the centers. So uh, do that, and you will have a very good chance. Ignore the profound speech delay thing that the uh, director of your public charter told you. It's way too early to tell where he or she will be. He's five years. He hasn't even started ABA. Once you start ABA, miracles happen. So. Let's keep going. Uh, let's see his progress in the first six months to one year, and then we can have a better prognosis at that point. It's way too early to, I hate it when people just kind of put a damper on things and say, oh, your child has no future. That's just garbage. Uh, when you look at, go, go on Amazon and get the film Recovered, Journeys Through Autism. All four of those parents, those children recovered, all four of those parents were told there's no way your child's going to recover. So that's don't believe in any of that stuff. Do the best you can right now, and we'll see huge progress. And and one of the children on in the recovered video started later, and and you will see a after him five after five, and you will see him. And we have a video that Kelby's been working on that we're going to be coming out within I think next week. Um, that you'll get to see him as a, a wonderful, fabulous, inspirational adult. Um, and that phrase that that whoever that person was who said that your child can't succeed, that is going to be the rally cry. You're going to be saying that 10 years from now yeah, yeah. and saying and see some some yoho said this, but look at my child now. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things I love about Bryce, she always mm -hmm. she I remember going through this journey with her where she was shocked, you know, when she said, because someone at UCLA at that time had told her that he would never speak. 
And when I told her, he's going to speak, like, don't you worry, he's speaking, he's going to speak. She said she just couldn't believe it. And then years later, she went back to that person and said, you told me he would never speak. And now he's testing normal. And that person said to her, I never said that. And of course, Bryce had recorded it. You know, so I love her. I just love her. And for those of you, uh, we're talking about Bryce Myler. She's one of the moms on the recovered. And Nancy and I had her as a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago. An amazing interview. If you didn't see it, definitely go back in our archives and take a look at it because Bryce. Bryce is amazing. Bryce is amazing. She, she really is amazing. Um, and so, again, another one of the moms on Recovered. So, wonderful. And then let us know how things are going. I'm thrilled for you that you're at the Arcadia office, too. I've gotten to meet several of the people at Arcadia, and they're rock stars. So, mm-hmm. thrilled for you. Okay, last week when you were talking with uh, Nancy, you had mm-hmm. a question from a viewer from New Jersey, and they wrote back in and said, Hey, guys, the nearest location for us in New Jersey is an hour away from us. I don't know if I should just do the hour drive or have them come to our house, and what do you recommend? Right. I'm not even sure if the New Jersey office travels to homes. They might be all center-based. Um, we're really moving towards the 100% center-based model now because you know, the effectiveness is so big, like the difference between uh, teaching in home and teaching at a center, it would have never even occurred to me to do that research. I'm very glad that we had the opportunity to look at it because of skills, because we always traditionally thought, okay, in-home is better. Um, And to look at it, and it's not like it's 20% better, it's 80% better, it's so much better. That's a huge difference. And there's a lot of variables uh, that lead to this, obviously. Uh, that 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 just there's variables we can't necessarily replicate at home for instance there's always a supervisor on site uh, there's never a cancellation because if you take your child in there's another therapist who's going to take over even if one therapist is sick in fact therapists don't cancel when they go to the center when they work at the centers um, it's much more intensive there's no break like it's just a much more uh, you know good learning opportunity so I know it's an hour away, um, but the, I really recommend that you try to make it happen. The difference is that when you have home therapy, first of all, the acquisition rates are much lower for our kids because there's just a lot of distractions around. And also the therapists cancel a lot, quite honestly, um, because if you're not driving an hour, they're driving an hour. and so. Uh, they will cancel. You'll have days where you pre- you have prepared yourself for therapy and nobody comes. I mean, it's just not a good scenario. Obviously, we try to back up our therapists as much as possible, but it's a new location. It's a new area. We're very limited on the number of therapists we have. So uh, if you can make it in, I would make it in. Your supervisor might, might will probably recommend a little bit of home sessions just because they want to see how the child's doing in home. Uh, and they want to make sure the child generalizes to the home and we teach skills that are appropriate for the home as well. But right now, when you first start, our focus is just content skills. It's a lot of things like language and communication and socialization and appropriate eye contact and all the basic stuff and that stuff should be occurring at the center. So if you can, please, I urge you to make it in. And I just want to say, I I was in a conversation with a parent uh, a couple weeks ago about this very this very thing and mm-hmm. and I was very honest with the parent and I, I said you know 
we we live an hour away from the center where my son went and we drove in once every two weeks for a clinic mm-hmm. um and we didn't have the option to bring him in for mm-hmm. a center-based and i and i said so i can't imagine what you're going through but yeah. i keep trying to put myself in your shoes and i said i can't imagine what a hardship that would be right. to to go an hour but here's if that had been offered to me i wish somebody had said this to me do it it's worth it it's a short period of time and what i said to that person was my son did therapy for five years and it saved our lives it saved his life and he is able to do the rest of his life whatever he sets his mind to there is nothing you could say to me that that would convince me that that wasn't valuable time but the reality of what the study that they have done shows is that if we had had the opportunity to do it in center-based it done it so we, much faster. we would have done it in three years right that's and, that's and the importance, years. and and also parents don't realize that we still engage the parents pretty. Tr- tr- in fact, along with this push, we've instigated a very intensive parent training model. So we have a very very intensive parent training model going on as well, where you will be trained, you will be involved. We're doing also like. That's you. My phone. <laughs> it sounds the same as mine, so I was like, oops. I apologize. Not at all. So, you know, we're, we're going to involve parents. We're going to keep parents very involved. But there's so many opportunities that come up at the centers. Like, there are other children with whom your child can interact and socialize. There are uh, a multitude of people present. It's not always just one therapist. We rotate therapists. There's people who are experts in different areas available, you know. So there's a lot of good stuff that goes on. The centers are very active and engaging, and the kids learn very well. And honestly, Shannon, you know, like you look at some people, you, I know people, my friends, and they have kids, let's say, who are athletes, right? And they'll drive an hour every day for soccer practice. Absolutely. They'll drive an hour every day for drama. They'll, you know, so this is, this is your child's life. Yeah. I was someone, there was an insurance company recently who was criticizing us and saying, wait, why are you scheduling, why are you telling parents to pull their kids out of school to come to clinic? And I was like, because this stuff saves your child's life. You know, there's nothing that is as important as ABA. If there was, ABA wouldn't be medically necessary. This is medical necessity. This is not, we're not talking about your child learning geography. We're talking about your child learning to communicate for the rest of his life. So there's nothing as important as this. Do it. Absolutely. And, and I, the last thing that I want to add to that is that I know some of you are concerned about, well, what is that hour each way in the car for your child? Right. I hope that you get yourself a, a tablet and get Camp Discovery. And that's and, it. And use that time. <coughs> that will supercharge. That's you will right. get more done. The studies are showing that conclusively that that is the best use of your child's time. So these are ways for you to speed things up and I think and I, I can't express to you how important this is because you know we all talk about insurance coverage existing and the truth is yeah it exists but insurance cuts people off like they're we do you know like I, I won't name the company right now but there's a managed healthcare company that is sending us data of our own data and saying we're upset with card because CARD uh, provides in overall more hours of therapy to children than any other provider. You guys recommend more hours of therapy to children than any other provider. 
And then you look at the hours of therapy that we're providing for their children, and guess what the average is? 15 hours a week, right. and they're pushing us to reduce that. Right. And we're saying, no, yeah. cut us off, do whatever you want to do, we're not going down. Yeah. We're recommending for each child. It is, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So, you know. And you'll never, I, I had the benefit of a regional center, center that paid for five years. You're not gonna find that again. Right. You need to get it done in less, less amount of time, and you can get it done. And then, you're, then you can go back to having your life afterwards. That's right. So do it. Let us know if you need. I'll, I'll be happy to give you a weekly pep talk. And if there's something that you need to make it work, let's, let's definitely talk about it. Okay, we're going to take a break, and I'm going to take care of my phone. And then we're going to come back with more Ask Dr. Doreen. Stick with us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. In the month of March, we're going to be making a rain stick. And what's really cool about this project is that the steps are pretty simple, so your kids are going to be able to practice a lot of their fine motor skills when making it. Another bonus is that once the rain stick is completed, you guys can use it for a bunch of different programs under cognition and executive functions, things that deals with you know, seeing versus hearing, or using it also for auditory memory. But we'll get to that later. First, we got to make the rain stick. So, the materials you'll be needing are a paper towel roll, tape, paper, aluminum foil, rice, and any kind of materials you want to use to decorate your rain stick with. All right, let's get to it. So the first thing you wanna do is get a piece of tin foil that's about double the length as your paper towel roll. I got this, and now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna Roll it up, like so, and I'm gonna wrap my paper towel roll with it. Okay, and don't worry if it's too messy, okay? This is just to give us a basic shape. Now once I've got this, I'm gonna make it a little bit tighter, and I'm gonna roll it and stick it inside of my paper towel roll. I want to make sure that it goes all the way through the paper towel roll. And what this does, it acts like a buffer so the rice will go down slowly through the tube. And see how that's in nice and in there? Okay, now that I have that, I'm going to take a piece of paper and cover one side. And then I'm going to take a piece of tape and secure it over the bottom. All right, now that I've got this on, I'm gonna take my rice and pour it in. All right, now that I got the rice in there, I'm gonna seal the other side. Now that this is constructed, don't forget to use your imagination to decorate this any way that you want. Here's my finished rain stick. Don't forget you can decorate yours however you see fit. I decided to use tape and pipe cleaners, but you could always paint it, add sparkles, just whatever you feel like doing. Now that this is done, let's take a listen to it. What does that sound like to you? I think it sounds like rain too. What does rain look like? Ah, that is what rain looks like. You can ask them a whole bunch of different questions using this after it's already been made. 
well. Until next time, craft on. Bye guys. Can you see me? Can you see me flying by your side? Welcome back to Ask Dr. Doreen. We're here with Dr. Doreen Grampache and she is answering your questions. I, I, we had just uh, something that I wanted to read from mm-hmm. a dad who watches the show on a pretty regular basis, although hasn't been able to be with us very much the last couple of weeks. Uh, he said, he wrote in and said, great job, Kelby for holding it down and keeping the show going. We depend on all you guys to inform us. And they said, get well, Shannon, I am doing better. And uh, he went on to say, I'll be joining the Autism Walk this year for the first time. Uh, we're, lo- we're gonna be looking out for Benji's world. Uh, he says, I hope to meet you guys and thank you in person for all the guidance I receive, I've received through your show and forgive me if I break down in tears for it. We'll be crying right there with you. Get me a tissue, you know, I'll cry with you. Uh, and then he goes on to say, have a great day. I've not had a chance to join you guys live in a few weeks as my job ramps up for the holidays. It becomes hard to keep my head in two places at one, but hope to see you guys and meet you there. We, I will be stationed at the booth. Kelby's gonna be roaming a bit with the camera, but I will be there. Come and make some bubbles with us. I heard Nick's helping too. Nick Yates. In fact, the gentleman that I was just talking about that is featured in Recovered, uh, that we have a video that we're going to be putting out next week, I believe. Um, He's going to be there volunteering as well. Bring your kids. We're going to be making bubbles. And we have some things to give away. I'm very excited that we have uh, some giveaway stuff. So uh, continuing on, but thrilled that I'm I'm so excited that we're going to get to meet you. Always, always thrilled. And I, I also want to say, because we always we love all the moms, but it's so exciting when we get to meet the dads. Yes, absolutely. There's something special about the dads. And in our next hour, we have a dad who's going to be on the show with us, John Asher, and he's made a film that you're going to want to see as a dad and that a bunch of dads got together and worked on. Yeah, uh, autism I really dads. want to see it. Yeah. Oh, you got to see this movie. It's called Poe, and we're going to be talking about it with John Asher. P.O., Poe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a screening on Tuesday here in Los Angeles. If oh, you, really? I, I, I know people. I can get you in. And I can get you in, too, if any of you want to go thrilled. <clears throat> um, but in any case, uh, I got to screen it last night. It was amazing. Okay, moving on. How can I teach my daughter to comprehend what she's reading? Reading well, comprehension a, a big, big issue, issue for a lot yes, of us. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of people who talk about this issue, and it's a very, very important issue. And I really want to urge people to kind of take the time to work on this because it affects a lot of other things throughout life. So we have a big reading comprehension section in skills. Um, It really is all about just breaking it down to small chunks and checking for understanding. So, you know, first of all, make sure that your child understands the individual words that are involved in, let's say, a paragraph. Um, and then break it into small sentences. We, as you know, Shannon, teach basically uh, one sentence, then ask a question, then we do two sentences, ask questions, three sentences, ask questions. I mean, this started so many years ago. It was like, you know, Elma, Elmo went to the store. Uh, he bought some candy and he went home and ate it, you know, and then who went to the store? Where did Elmo go? What did he buy? Who ate it? You know, all kinds of WH questions. And so that is kind of the beginning of um, listening and reading comprehension. Now, reading comprehension is usually easier than listening comprehension because uh, reading comprehension, you have the ability to underline. I always do this. Shannon knows I'm like always, when I read things, underline, circle. 
Um, so I don't even some often I don't even look at the notes I've taken, but it helps when I do that. Just maybe it's just practice. Um, and with reading comprehension, we also have this section in I think in our academic program and on skills where we teach the child how to take notes on the side on the margins. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very, very helpful. But really, it's a matter of just breaking down the context, the, the content into small chunks, asking questions to make sure the child. Then if you discover the child doesn't understand, you go back and work on that one concept, which is usually found in our WH section of our curriculum, which is like, what portion didn't she understand? Sometimes you get you find out the child doesn't understand just vocabulary. A lot of times I, under, I find my the kids uh, they kind of cover it up well, but they don't have the right vocabulary for their age. That's very, very important. You can have the school assist you with that, but there's a specific uh, words that are age appropriate that the child should know, mm -hmm. and that helps a lot. Uh, speed is another factor that helps a lot. Like you need to make sure children are fluent. Like for instance, if I read French, it's amazing that I still understand all of it if I'm reading it. If I listen to it, it's much harder for me. Mm -hmm. But if I listen to it slowly, I can understand it. German, though, if I read German, I'm com my comprehension is not as fluent. I have to go back and read it again or spend more time. So fluency has to do with the speed with which you can comprehend something you read or hear. Mm -hmm. So just practice, you know, like making helping your child uh, more and more it's just like reading for us like when you read uh, if you're someone who read a lot as a child then you're just more fluent and you have more vocabulary um, if you're someone who didn't read a lot you're going to struggle with both of those areas so con content comprehension uh, fluency uh, and then sometimes you'll find Reading is different, but listening comprehension, I find our kids have a hard time because they have processing speed issues. So they'll be focused on something that was said and not hear what's being said now. And so that's a, a pro common problem a lot of people have. They hear the first... Say, I think I do that. Well, what, what we do is we listen to a portion of the sentence and we start already formulating our response to it. Yeah in our head so what happens is the current statement passes mm -hmm. you know so and our kids though have the they're not formulating they might be but what happens is they get stuck understanding the previous thing just because their processing speed is a little bit behind mm -hmm. um, and then they get stuck on the previous sentence so then the current sentence is harder mm -hmm. that happens to me I know in foreign languages because when someone speaks fast I'm trying to understand, like, what did they say in the first sentence? And then I get, I lose the second sentence. Right. So fluency is very, very important. That's just practice. Content is very, very important. Break it down so your child is successful, and they will get it. And, and I think, as a former teacher, one of the best gifts we give all of our children, whether they're on the spectrum or not, is making reading fun. Yes. So while you're working on their comprehension, making it fun. I despaired when Jem was little because I had had this picture in my head that I was going to have this baby who was going to sit on my lap and we were going to read books together, but he was constantly on the go. Yes. He didn't want to sit on my lap and read books. Right. And I, and I, my mother, I, she visited once and, and, and she said, give him something. Mm -hmm. Like and and what she went and got him was an apple and it was mm -hmm. a cold apple and he sat with that, that apple. He didn't really eat it. He kind of mouthed it, but something about holding that apple 
And every night we would do that. Down. He would get his apple, he would hold the cold apple, and he would kind of lick at it and maybe take one little bite out of it. Mm -hmm. It was a waste mm -hmm. of an apple, mm -hmm. but it wasn't because he would sit and read. And then from there, we did the Usborne books that have the duck hidden somewhere on each page. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as he had, as soon as we could get him to sit still, then we would do, he didn't, I know he didn't understand what I was saying in the book, but we would read a page and I would say, where's the duck? Right. And he would look for the duck and be thrilled to find the duck, but that eventually became that he listened. Yes. And then it grew from there and he loves still to be read to. He, he will read on his own now and mm -hmm. if it's something that he's interested, he loves it, but he has the ability to attend to that and listen in a way that I hadn't anticipated him having. I think he's above average in that. And it all stems all from practice. the apple. And that was rewarding <clears throat> right. for him. I couldn't have predicted that. And that's I don't right. think that would, be that would be for every kid. But finding whatever it is that's rewarding to begin with, I think, is key. Yeah, and I don't know if it was just the rewarding side of it, but it was also kind of anchoring. Yeah. But sometimes we give our kids something that sort of just like slightly slows them down or distracts them enough to slow down and then just receive what's going on. Mm -hmm. And perhaps he was so you know, hyper, and when you got the apple, it kind of anchored him so he would sit for a bit yeah. and then receive, oh, she's reading me a story. Yeah. And I can't tell, like, it's so fascinating. My two oldest children were readers. They were readers. Like, they read hundreds of books. Mm -hmm. They've read more books than I've read. And you can see it in their writing and in their vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And then my youngest child hated reading when she was little, and now she's become a reader. Mm -hmm. And so she constantly comes and asks me or the other ones about vocabulary words. And I can see that, like, she struggles more than they did, and mm -hmm. it's just because they didn't. She wasn't into reading. Yeah. Of course, it's never too late to get into reading, um, and it really does make a difference. Like I look at my, I you know, it's fascinating that I would say it was probably one of the weakest areas of my son when he was little, and it is now he's the strongest reader I know. Mm -hmm. He will read it so beautifully. Mm -hmm. It's almost like he knows everything by heart. Like he just. Mm -hmm. He's a really good reader, and it's just practice. Yeah. It's not any child can get this stuff. Yeah. Um, I, you brought a very important thing to the picture, which is make sure he's interested. Mm. Like, don't force a child initially to read things that are completely. Let me tell you, when I read like world history, I my comprehension oh. drops. When it's I read, a sleeping pill. It is for some, but I mean, <laughs> eventually now I read, I do history with my kids, and yeah. I'm like, wow, like I don't yeah. remember this stuff. It's so good. Right. But for kids, it's not necessarily the most exciting thing. You can get them there, but start with something he or she is really interested in. Yeah. That will really boost comprehension and will teach the child how to break paragraphs down. Yeah. And then you can start moving to other stuff that's not as interesting. All right, I'm feeling competitive because Nancy gets through more questions than I do. I'm, oh, I'm going to move on. Um, okay, uh, hello, Shannon and Dr. Doreen. Thank you so much. I love the show. It's been a blessing for us. I have a five-year-old in kindergarten and a class of eight to two due, due to his potty training, but he is supposed to be in a 10 to two. Uh, he has explosive major tantrums, meltdowns with massive aggression everywhere we go, destroys property, bites, kicks, bumps head on the on on people, screams, says very offensive things, even though he has language delay, 
throws furniture or anything. At school, he has everyone on their toes, including the principal and three other special ed teachers, which help the teacher when he becomes aggressive. The teacher knows sometimes the triggers, but many times she misses the reason for the behavior. District has asked me to reevaluate since the diagnosis is um, three years old and they're refusing to accept it. I think for better placement, it will help. His school, as much as they try, they cannot handle him many times and I have been asked to pick him up. They are waiting on an evaluation to have a meeting at the district, has OT um, speech, waiting on ABA, and they said, please help. You definitely need help right now as soon as possible. You, um, and this is what ABA deals with. So uh, speech and OT and regular kindergarten are not gonna be able to handle this. And in fact, in some ways, it's a little detrimental to him right now because he screams, tantrums, hits, bites, acts out, and then they ask you to come pick him up. Yeah. So what he gets out of that is, every time I wanna go home, all I have to do is freak out and yeah. somebody will come take me. So he's learning the wrong things. This has to end. Um, new procedures have to come into place. Don't worry, this stuff is all manageable. There's not a kid that doesn't, uh, that whose behaviors are not manageable. There's no child who doesn't learn to not aggress and instead uses language. He's not using an appropriate form of communication, but all of that stuff, uh, destroying property, biting, kicking, bumping head on people, screaming, saying offensive things, uh, throwing furniture, all of that stuff is just his way of communicating something. He's either communicating that he doesn't want to be there, that he doesn't like the demands that are being placed, that he wants more attention, that he wants an object that he can't get, he wants an activity that he can't get. All of those things are communication. You, we, ABA teaches him how to communicate to those desires, those wishes in a more adaptive way communicate language or nonverbal uh, language, which would be an iconic system. Um, and then he learns that he can have these things, the things he wants, if he behaves well, not if he behaves poorly, which is what he's learning right now. So um, the sooner you get ABA, the better. Uh, diagnosis, you know, I don't know what his diagnosis is currently. Yes, of course, they can re-diagnose and uh, he may receive a diagnosis of ASD, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the school will probably drag their feet on funding this. They need to fund it. Your insurance should also fund it. I don't know where you are, but all of this stuff is now funded either by your school or by your insurance or by both. And he should receive a full ABA program. Please don't let them cut you short. Uh, he's five, so he's in school, but a lot of behaviors are happening. The school is obligated to provide a behavior analyst, a BCBA, board certified behavior analyst, who can come in, and what they will do is a FBA, which is a functional behavior assessment, which will tell you why your child is having these behaviors in each situation. Is it because he needs something? Is it because he uh, is, doesn't want to be there? Is it because whatever the reason is? And once we find out the reason for each situation, then we deal with it appropriately. Um, the behavior analyst will put a program in place. 
if your school doesn't want to fund a private program like ours, uh, make sure they fund a shadow for him that they pay for an aid in school um, and make sure that aid is trained. You know, in the old days, we would provide the aids. Nowadays, schools try to provide their own aids and often the aids are not trained. So make sure you have a trained aide. You can make this happen. This is all your right. You just need to be pushy. Um, make sure you get a, a full-time trained aide with your child who knows exactly what to do. And then after school, every single day, you need a full ABA program. Don't waste a minute. Weekends, ABA. Evenings, ABA. Do as much ABA as you can right now. I promise you they can get these behaviors under control, but if you don't, things are just going to get worse. Yeah. So please get involved fast. And he'll just get bigger. Yeah. And it'll just get harder. So good luck. And again, if you need more help and support, just write in. Um, Absolutely. As Dr. Crampuche said, you can do this. It, you wouldn't be the first person that has done this. And, and there, there are those of us who will circle our wagons around you to build you up to make sure that you can get through it. It's not easy, but you can do it. Um, all right, we're going to take a very short break and then we're going to come back and breeze through a couple of questions. Stick with us. It's every parent's desire for their child to have a great start in life. Yet there is a condition affecting more children's lives than pediatric cancer, diabetes, and AIDS combined. Autism strikes one in every 150 children. Today, one in 110 kids in the U.S. will be diagnosed with autism. That is a huge jump from 30 years ago when it was one in 30,000. Startling new report finds the number of children with autism is skyrocketing. The Centers for Disease Control estimates one in 68 children has a form of autism. Now that's a 30% increase in just two years. I think what kept me um, was the feeling that, you know, I, I would have a parent come to my um, office late at night at UCLA and just fall apart. And this is a long time ago. There were much less back then oh, yeah. in terms of services and knowledge and so on. And I would just sit with the family and the parents and walk them through and try to take away some of their fears, you know. and. At that point, I realized, I think the thing that's actually most important to me is that process. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank God that I've been very, very lucky and blessed to have so many incredible clinicians join me along the way mm -hmm. and just develop CARD in such an amazing, magnificent way um, that I could, you know, for me, it was more really about how can I help the families? Mm -hmm. What can I do for the moms, the dads, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it is just, uh, and I feel like, you know, there's no way I would ever really know because I haven't had my own child go through this, mm -hmm. but I've experienced it with people mm. a, a lot of times. Hi, this is Megan. I'm in first grade all by myself. My teachers are so fabulous. I like to read books. I like to go to my friend's 